0: Voice of Minnesota Brett on a Wednesday afternoon midway point of the week cold night on the way seven below is apparently what I said during that forecast sometimes I get an automation mode when I record those forecasts I I become Ron Burgundy I just end up Reading those forecasts and not really interpreting what they mean. Now it just kind of hit me. Seven below tonight, so definitely bundle up. Then I am hearing we're getting like four to eight inches of snow, or possibly even more of that, Friday night into Saturday, which should uh, definitely be fun. Patrick, I know you're doing some traveling Friday and Saturday, announcing some hockey games. That'll make your commute fun. I'm going all over the place. I'm announcing, or not announcing, working a hockey game, then streaming pro wrestling, so... Oh, I'm not looking forward to eight or so inches of snow coming up Friday into Saturday. No, it's kind of ridiculous, although I'm still kind of getting over these, you know, the last couple games of hockey I've done of just three overtime games in a row. Just absolutely more unbelievable each time out. So I'm still kind of recovering from all of that. And now you get to drive through eight inches of snow. Isn't that going to be fun on Friday and Saturday? Hey, we're at 952-946-6205, and of course, with me giving out that phone number, that means we are live today, and we have open phone lines for the entire hour. And we got to start off with today's show with a big announcement. The Blue State Ball is indeed happening here in 2020, and a few people asking me about that over the past few days and weeks. When are you going to say something about the Blue State Ball? Well, we have some official information. Although tickets are not yet available, we might be able to have tickets available starting tomorrow or maybe on Friday. But here's the details for the Blue State Ball 2020. First up, it's going to be a little bit different than what we've had in years past. It's not going to be the more traditional, formal Blue State Ball that you might be used to. This year, it's going to be a little bit more on the uh, fun side of things. It's actually going to be at a brewery and on a Sunday afternoon, so a little bit different than the typical Friday or Saturday nights. It is going to be on Sunday, February 23rd at Bauhaus Brew Labs in Minneapolis. And by the way, a great feature of Bauhaus Brew Labs is that they have a ton of free parking right around that building because in years past at Blue State Balls, we've had problems of uh, people having trouble Finding places to park. Well, there's no shortage of parking at Bauhaus Brew Labs. Sunday, February 23rd, we're going to have a VIP event that starts at noon and goes until 1 o'clock where you can have a meet and greet with Tom Hartman, who will be our headliner. I'll be out there along with Matt McNeil. Those two guys are much bigger names than me, so you're probably going to be going there more to meet those two guys than me, but I guess I'll still be there anyways for that meet and greet for VIP coming up at noon. They'll also have some great food and appetizers for you. Not a full meal, but a lot of great appetizers that you can taste during that meet and greet. And then also included with your VIP ticket, which, by the way, will be $75, you'll also get a complimentary alcoholic beverage. Or if you're not an alcohol drinker, you can also use that for a non-alcoholic beverage. So that'll be the VIP event Sunday, February 23rd. It'll go from noon until 1. Then general admission, those tickets are $40, by the way, that will be from 1 until about 4 o'clock or so. Now, what's important to note about general admission this year is that the doors will not open for that until 1 o'clock. So don't come too early because unfortunately, we won't really have a place to put you, I guess, unless if you just want to sit there in your car or otherwise there is a coffee shop down the road. But just again, general admission, the doors will not open until 1 o'clock on February 23rd. So that's a big note on there. But You'll still be able to see all the speakers, which will be Tom Hartman, Matt McNeil, and maybe some other special guests as well for GA from 1 until 4 o'clock. But here's a cool feature about both of those tickets, whether you're getting VIP or general admission. No matter which one you buy, you will get a signed book from Tom Hartman. In fact, he'll be signing his new book which I believe is actually being released in just a couple of weeks. It's called The Hidden History of the War on Voting, Who Stole Your Vote and How to Get It Back. He'll be signing a copy of the book just for you if you purchase either a VIP or a general admission ticket. So I am really looking forward to this year's Blue State Ball. Sunday, February 23rd, Bauhaus Brew Labs in Minneapolis. A little bit different this year. Not so much quite on the ball side of Blue State Ball, the formal ball, a little bit more heavy on the fun and kind of beer bash side and even if you're not an alcoholic drinker or you don't drink alcohol there's still going to be plenty of options for you to have some fun there at the blue state ball so definitely check it out sunday february 23rd taking place that afternoon we should have details at least posted about that on am950radio.com after the show in fact i might even do that as soon as the show wraps up and hopefully tickets will be available either tomorrow or friday And do not delay getting those tickets because this is a guarantee. We're not just saying this is kind of a talking point. This event will sell out. We're not just saying that I encourage you to get tickets because, well, we want ticket sales. No, this event actually, well, we obviously do want ticket sales. But this event will sell out. So you need to buy those tickets right away as soon as they become available. That's at am950radio.com. One more piece of housekeeping to bring up, and this is a separate event from the Blue State Ball. A reminder that I will be with Professor David Schultz at a impeachment forum coming up on Wednesday, January 29th. That is two weeks from today. It'll be at Hamlin University, Anderson Room 305. I think we're going to open the doors like around 6 o'clock with the talk taking place from 7 until about 8.30. This is a free event, however, so we'd love to see you out there coming up on January 29th at Hamlin University. Have more details about that posted over on am950radio.com. All right, so that's all the housekeeping to get out of the way with a couple of fun events coming up again with the Blue State Ball and then our little impeachment forum with Professor David Schultz. Let's get to the news of today, though, and talk about the debates, because obviously we had the Democratic debate last night, and I'll admit uh, I was actually busy working another event. I was actually with Patrick. We were announcing a high school hockey game, since we are the official broadcasters of the Tatino Grace Network, which is a lot of fun to do, so I was not able to catch a good portion of the debate, but I did catch some highlights and at least was able to listen to about the last maybe 30 to 45 minutes of it in the car here on AM 950. By the way, we were carrying that debate here on the radio. And overall, at least from what I listened to, not very impressed with the debate moderators over at CNN. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole thing about how they were criticizing Bernie. That, of course, is very true. And by the way, I'm not necessarily a Bernie Sanders guy myself. But yeah, the treatment of him was definitely a little bit off the wall. But I was more upset about the fact that basically they just asked terrible questions throughout the entire night, especially as I listened to that last half hour. It was basically just whoever the moderator was for CNN reading a Republican talking point and asking the Democratic candidate to refute that talking point. So certainly not a whole lot of substance right there. And very lazy journalism and very lazy debate moderating if you just basically read a talking point from the opposite party and then ask a candidate to respond to said talking point. I would always like to see this during a debate. Let's actually have a real debate where the moderator has a very minimal role. I would actually like to see just a conversation between the candidates no moderator really involved. They just kind of start things off and maybe will interject if things get out of hand. I would think you would actually get candidates giving more genuine and maybe more off-the-cuff answers than kind of their pre-rehearsed answers that they often give during debates. You would get candidates actually challenging each other and having a real discussion. And I don't think you would even run into the situation where one person might dominate the entire conversation and have the majority of the speaking time because... If you're a candidate and you do end up doing that during a proposed like discussion or actual debate, if you end up actually dominating the time, I think that would actually make you look bad as a candidate. So I think uh, several of the politicians would actually be very aware of that and actually think you could get a real substantive discussion if you had a real debate with a very minimal role for the moderator. Although I don't think uh, either of the political parties would ever agree to that simply because, well, the chances of having a major gaffe would certainly increase if you had a very frank and kind of off-the-cuff discussion. We're at 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We're going to take an early break and come back, and I want to follow up on a discussion we had on Monday about this proposed educational amendment that would change the way that the Minnesota Constitution is written in regards to education because Attorney General Keith Ellison actually chimed in on this. And It sounds like he's actually kind of open to this idea. So we're going to expand a little bit more on this discussion about this new amendment to the Minnesota Constitution that's being proposed in regards to education, as well as some other news as well, as you are listening to The 4 O'Clock Show with Brett here on a Wednesday afternoon. We'll be back in a few minutes.
1: As a family-owned business, Standard Heating and Air Conditioning has been serving the Twin Cities since 1930. A new furnace or air conditioner from Standard Heating and Air can lower your monthly utility bills, administer more consistent temperatures, and even improve indoor air quality, making your home safer and healthier for the whole family. The average heating and cooling system lasts 15 to 20 years, so if yours is on its last legs, call Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Learn more at standardheatingdeals.com. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, the comfort you deserve.
2: It's winter, it's cold, and you probably don't want to be outside. So cozy up inside with a new book from Next Chapter Booksellers. Or get something to read on your next vacation. Next Chapter Booksellers is the largest independent, locally owned bookstore in St. Paul with a full range of books and subjects. Stop in and the friendly staff will help you find the perfect book. Located on Grand and Snelling in St. Paul and at nextchapterbooksellers.com. When you need legal assistance, let the Minnesota Lawyer and Referral Information Service help you find the right attorney. It's a new and enhanced program of the Hennepin and Ramsey County Bar Associations. They have professional, experienced referral counselors who can connect you to vetted attorneys practicing in employment, real estate, wills, and much more. Take the stress out of finding a lawyer. Call 612-752-6699 or go to
3: mnlawyerreferral.org. The right call for the right lawyer.
0: People of the warmth, charm, and great food at Milton's 36 and Douglas in Crystal. Tonight, try their Vittles, Vino, and Beer. A full slab of baby back ribs grilled over mesquite charcoal. Juicy jerk chicken with Caribbean beans and rice. Grilled plank salmon and their famous shrimp and grits. Try a Milton's ribeye or the portobello mushroom and end your night with carrot cake, bananas, foster, or rum cake. The perfect meal for a date or a casual get-together. That's Vittles, Vino, and Beer at Milton's 36 and Douglas in Crystal.
1: Tom Hartman here for All Energy Solar. One of the myths about solar is that you save more if you wait. But waiting to switch can actually cost you more. While tax rebates make solar affordable, those rebates are often limited and decrease over time. So when you wait, you risk losing some of the incentives that make solar so easy to afford today. And besides, the sooner you get your all-energy solar system, the sooner you reduce or even eliminate that high electricity bill. Make the switch
0: today at allenergysolar.com. Hey, it's Brett from the 4 p.m. show for ZeroRes. How many hours do you and your coworkers spend inside each week? Because hand sanitizer isn't going to cut it when preventing the inevitable office flu from going around. So have your team benefit from a deep clean from ZeroRes. They'll save you time and money this month with flexible day and nighttime appointments and 10% off any commercial carpet or air duct cleaning. But you have to mention AM950 when you call. That's 952 Res or ZeroResMinnesota.com and then mention AM950. ZeroRes, spell it backward or forward, it spells the same. You're listening to AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the 4 o'clock show with Brett. Again, Blue State Ball coming up Sunday, February 23rd. We'll have details about that posted soon at am950radio.com with tickets hopefully available in the next few days. That'll be Sunday, February 23rd. Bauhaus Brew Labs in Minneapolis. Definitely looking forward to seeing everyone out at this year's Blue State Ball. So on Monday we talked kind of extensively about this new proposed constitutional amendment from Justice Alan Page and also the president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve Bank, Neil Kashkari, as – One of the things that one of the intended consequences they had with this amendment that they would make to the Minnesota Constitution and at least reading through the language, it doesn't appear to be a big change. But one of the things that they actually brought up, and this is Paige and Kashkari both talking about this, is the idea that basically if your student is attending a public school that is failing, well, then you have the right to actually sue that public school. Which, as we brought up for a number of reasons, is a bad idea. The biggest one, of course, is that it's really only going to be benefiting students who have parents that can actually afford to hire an attorney to actually sue a school district. And then one of the other arguments that we were hearing against this proposed amendment came from Education Minnesota. And I think as this one, as I read through it, is a little bit more with the slippery slope argument. They talked about a concern for possibly having this lead to vouchers. Now, again, going back to the actual amendment written by Page and Keshkari, it doesn't say anything specific about vouchers for private schools, but it's more along the lines of it being the slippery slope. And I think it kind of falls along the idea that basically if you have a student who successfully sues their public school because it's so-called failing, that would open the door for them to then use funding to actually enroll in another school, which could possibly be a private school. So I think that's kind of where Education Minnesota is going in terms of their opposition to this proposed constitutional amendment, more kind of the slippery slope idea. But in the news today regarding this amendment is something that kind of surprised me. Keith Ellison, who is obviously known as one of the most progressive Minnesota politicians in the entire state, kind of came out as being lukewarm to maybe even supportive of this Page Kashkari amendment. He said actually today as he is quoted, as uh, his exact quote was, I've been fighting for children my whole life. Times have changed since Minnesota's education clause was drafted in 1857. The amendment opens an important discussion about quality schools and placing all Minnesota children first. This is a bold step that's long overdue, and I applaud Justice Page and President Kashkari on their proposal and look forward to joining them in continuing a conversation as the proposal further evolves. So, not necessarily a full endorsement of this proposed amendment, but definitely is kind of lukewarm to this, and... I'm not sure exactly what to think about that. I was actually kind of surprised that Ellison was somewhat favorable towards this amendment, being that a lot of progressives have actually been pushing back against this Page-Kashkari amendment. Again, to me, I'm kind of neutral towards maybe leaning against it. I think it's a well-intended amendment, but I still have some real problems of that consequence of being able to sue a public school if they're so-called failing, just because really there's no recourse if you're a poor student who comes from a family background that can't afford to hire an attorney that would actually sue a public school. And then, of course, you have that slippery slope argument about possibly leaving leading to private school vouchers, although I think that's kind of a bull, or a ball or a ball that gets rolling down the hill that I'm not quite sure is necessarily realistic. I'd have to hear more arguments from maybe someone at Education Minnesota or maybe a teacher who's a little bit more of a familiar with this amendment to kind of get where they're coming from in terms of how it could actually lead to private school vouchers. But yeah, overall, still some problems with it, but it does, at least as Ellison says, open the conversation towards creating more equitable schools in Minnesota. And overall, the best way to do that is just have statewide funding for public schools. Because right now, even though public schools in Minnesota do get a portion of their funding from the state, they still largely have to focus on operating levies and local property taxes. And, of course, that generally favors... Wealthy suburban schools who can afford to raise property taxes and can afford to have school referendums when you have a tax base that can actually afford to do that. But if you're talking about poorer areas of the state, whether that's inner city Minneapolis or St. Paul or even rural areas of Minnesota, you sometimes don't really have that tax base to be able to have a family absorb a tax increase to pay for an increase in public schools so that's why i think we would actually be much better off if we actually had just a 100 percent statewide funding mechanism for public schools so you no longer have to have school districts going to their local constituents and their local residents asking them to basically pay more in property taxes for schools now of course someone's got to be paying for these public schools but i think if you were to do that on a statewide basis you would probably have much more equitable funding when it comes to paying for public schools. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So also in the news today is, of course, uh, if you remember the refugee situation we had back in Beltrami County from a couple of days ago. Well, we have kind of an update on this as the Pioneer Press is reporting about how many counties accept A number of refugees. How many counties accept refugees? Ramsey County actually accepts 71% of all refugees who apply to come to Minnesota. Hennepin County only is 12, which kind of surprised me. I would think Hennepin County would actually be much higher in terms of the percentage of refugees that actually enter the state of Minnesota. The rest of the counties, though, all in the single digits. And as was previously noted, Beltrami County did not accept a single refugee. I think over the past three. Or maybe it was four years, but basically no refugees whatsoever in Beltrami County. So why we're talking about this? Well, there was actually a tweet I kind of noticed just today as I was following my uh, Twitter feed for the station and came across a tweet from a guy named Sam Fettick, who is a former operative for the DFL and also the Mark Dayton administration. And he was a little unhappy with some recent comments by Governor Tim Walls when it comes to actually accepting refugees in certain counties because Governor Walls was asked about the idea that, well, could we actually withhold local government assistance funding to specific counties that decide not to accept refugees? Basically, the idea would be is that you would punish counties that don't accept refugees by not giving them their local government aid. Well, Governor Tim Walls actually came out against the idea and said we basically, well, shouldn't punish counties that do that because there are needy, needy citizens who actually need public assistance. So that was one of the arguments Governor Walls made against actually punishing local governments for deciding not to accept refugees. Well, the guy I was looking at on Twitter, Sam Fedick, was not happy about that because he thinks we actually should. And he actually took some language from Governor Mark Dayton back in 2015 where Dayton said, quote, this is Minnesota and you have every right to be here. And anybody who cannot accept your right to be here and this is Minnesota should find another state. So... I'm a little mixed on this because obviously it's not good to have counties ban refugees even when they don't even accept refugees, which was the case with Beltrami County where they have not accepted a refugee in like three or four years. But I also would think that would hurt a lot of very vulnerable citizens that live in poor areas of the state, especially a place like Beltrami County where you do have a number of people who do rely on public assistance since it's not, well, the wealthiest county in the state of Minnesota. And ultimately, one of the reasons why I'm kind of against the idea of withholding aid and so-called punishing counties who decide not to accept refugees is that, well, it kind of reminds me of preemption, if you happen to remember that term. Do you remember what preemption is? This is basically the idea that the state legislature can go and override a law that's passed in a local city. The best example would be was that Minneapolis and St. Paul, of course, have a $15 minimum wage that was passed within their cities. Well, there was actually a proposal by Minnesota Republicans in the state legislature to have the state step in and actually override the actions of Minneapolis and St. Paul and say, no, you actually have to use the state minimum wage. That's essentially what preemption is, which of course is completely ironic that you have Republicans doing that, since you often hear them make arguments about needing local control for their cities. We need local control. We don't need the big bad central government coming in and telling us what to do, except in the case of the minimum wage, where they actually did want the big bad government coming into Minneapolis and St. Paul and telling them that you cannot have a $15 minimum wage. So that's preemption. And I'm kind of sorry to say it, but I would think actually cutting off Local government assistance to counties like Beltrami or others that decide not to accept refugees? Well, that kind of reminds me a lot of preemption that we saw back in 2017 and 2018 when Republicans were threatening to do that to cities like Minneapolis and St. Paul. So, love to have your thoughts on that. What do you think? Should we actually withhold government aid to counties who decide not to accept refugees? Should we actually be in the position of having the state legislature punish those counties? Give us a call, 952-946-6205. Got some more stories to cover, including a bill out of New Jersey that would actually promise people who are laid off severance pay no matter their situation. And then also news about the Olympics, in essence, banning free speech. We're going to talk about that all coming up in the second half of the show. But first, let's get to our 2020 talks from Public News Service.
3: Welcome to 2020 Talks, where we track the 2020 election process from the studios of KHOI in the heart of Iowa. I think the
1: best way to talk about who can win is by looking at people's winning record. So, can a woman beat Donald Trump? Look at the men on this stage. Collectively, they have lost 10 elections. The only people on this stage who have won every
3: single election that they've been in are the women. The women. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders agreed at last night's CNN-Des Moines Register Democratic debate that a woman can win the presidency, though they disagree about what was said during a private meeting in 2018.
1: Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million votes. How could anybody in a million years not believe that a woman could become president of the United States?
3: Six candidates took last night's stage in Des Moines. Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, and Tom Steyer. Civilly, candidates discussed health care, education, childcare, and whether to pass the new NAFTA, an important issue in the Hawkeye State with billions in exports depending on its approval. Sanders opposes the new trade deal. Every
1: major environmental organization has said no to this new trade agreement because it does not even have the phrase climate change in it.
3: And so does Tom Steyer, who's made climate change his top priority, but also had to confront his history with coal, oil, and gas.
2: Over 10 years ago, I realized that there was something
1: going on that had to do with fossil fuels that we had to change. So I divested
2: from fossil fuels. I took the giving pledge to give most of my money away while I'm alive. And for 12 years, I've been fighting the climate crisis.
3: When challenged about his support among black voters, Pete Buttigieg listed some of the African-American politicians who've endorsed him, including Mayor Quentin Hart of Waterloo, Iowa, where one of the state's largest black populations resides.
1: The black voters who know me best are supporting me. It's why I have the most support in South Bend. It's why among elected black officials in my community who have gotten into this race, by far, most of them are supporting me.
3: Responding to a question about supporters who fear Warren might alienate swing voters, she pushed a message of unity. Two of my three brothers are Republicans. And sure, there are a lot of things we disagree on and we can take to our
1: corners and do the Democratic-Republican talking points. But the truth is there's a whole
3: lot we agree on. But right out of the gate, as expected, was Iran and national security. Biden and Sanders had a lengthy back and forth on the war in Iraq, and Buttigieg put forth the need for 21st century foreign policy. Here's what Klobuchar had to say.
2: Donald Trump is taking us pell-mell toward another war. We have a very important resolution. We just found out today that four Republicans are joining Democrats to go to him and say, you must have an authorization of military force if you're going to go to war with Iran.
3: From Pacifica Network and Public News Service, I'm Lily Bolke. Thanks for listening at PacificaNetwork.org and PublicNewsService.org.
1: I'm Nick Slavic, proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I speak nationally and internationally on the subjects of entrepreneurship, trades reform, apprenticeship, craftsmanship, and coding science. I've created a rigorous apprenticeship program where I find, train, inspire, and mentor young people in my craft. The result is an ultra professional crew of craftspeople that cares about their work and your project. We're not like other contractors. Visit nick.com. S-L-A-V-I-K dot com. That's Nick dot com to learn more. Next time on Philosophy Talk, comedy
0: and the culture wars.
1: Comedy these days can get pretty offensive, especially when it comes to race, gender, and
0: religion. I agree. And that's why comedy like that should be shunned, boycotted, maybe even banned. No
1: way. Laughing at each other can actually help us to live together. Is that some kind of joke? Comedy and the culture wars. Next time on Philosophy Talk.
2: Philosophy Talk every Sunday at 8 a.m. and again at 2
1: p.m. on AM 950.
0: AM 950 weather. I'm Patrick Lolia. Clearing overnight with lows around 7 below. Wind chills down to 19 below. Tomorrow, sunny. High near 5 above. Wind chills around 19 below. And tomorrow night, increasing clouds. Temperatures around 8 above.
1: Don't miss the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday at Canterbury Park in Shakopee. See up to 150 home improvement experts. The Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday only at Canterbury Park. It's the smart place to start your home improvement project. See it all at expoguys.com. That's expoguys.com.
0: Brent Johnson, during the 4 o'clock show on a Wednesday afternoon, we're at 4.35 on your drive home. So we recently uh, received a court ruling that went against the Trump administration and a rule that actually was something that might have actually helped consumers. So let's talk more about this, although it's kind of a goofy rule when you read more into it. So here, this is out of the National Law Journal. A federal appeals court appeared poised on Monday to rule against a Trump administration rule requiring that drug manufacturers include the price of prescription drugs in television ads. The three-judge panel in the U.S. District Court of Appeals in D.C., which were actually appointed by the presidents of Donald Trump and other parties, heavily questioned the Department of Justice as they were talking about this requirement that basically would force drug manufacturers to put the price of their products on television advertisements. So what I kind find kind of funny about this is that this proposal was actually marketed as a way to, well, lower prescription drug prices, which doesn't really work at all if you think about that, because yeah, what good does it know to actually know how much your drug actually costs in a TV ad? Because, well, probably need the drug if you are having some sort of illness or you have some sort of ailment. Knowing the price doesn't really do a whole lot of good in terms of telling you whether you can actually be able to pay for that drug or not. For instance, I have access to buying give me an expensive sports car but if you're just telling me how much it is and disclosing that, well it doesn't really do a whole lot in terms of actually (laughs) helping me afford to pay for that sports car and it's kind of that same idea. With this thing where you would be able to force drug manufacturers to put their prices in television ads. Yeah, it would be more transparency, but what would it actually do to force them to lower their drug prices? Not a whole lot, especially when, well, several of those drugs basically function as a monopoly. And by the way, healthcare really is not a competition industry in the first place because, for instance, if you go to the emergency room, you're not exactly asking for a quote and then saying, oh, well, I guess I'll go somewhere else because your price is too high. Not exactly how that works. But at least it was something, I guess, but likely to be struck down anyways. Kind of one of those things that at least would allow the Trump administration to show, hey, we're trying to fight the high price of drugs, but ultimately doesn't really do a whole lot just by disclosing the prices of drugs. Also, I want to bring something up with Quinn Nystrom, who of course is a friend of AM950 and also running in the 8th Congressional District. So she, t- she tweeted something out that, is probably something that a lot of people with insulin have faced before in their lifetime. So here's what she tweeted. Yesterday, my insulin pump broke. I need this to live. Today, well, turns out it's going to be $1,500 in medical bills. And in order to try to get that new pump, along with that $1,500 that she needs to actually pay, well, it would require four medical calls five forms to sign, and then basically spending two hours of hold on the phone. And also a minimum of a two-week wait period before she could actually get her new one. And that right there is basically the healthcare industry here in our country. Completely wrong, and I think that's a big reason why she is actually, well, running for Congress there in the 8th District. But that's unbelievable that basically, yeah, if you have your insulin pump break, you're kind of out of luck. It costs several hundred dollars, if not thousands of dollars to replace. Then you have to spend a whole bunch of time on the phone, including in Quinn's case, two hours on hold. And then you got to wait two weeks to actually, well, get your new pump and then also uh, sign a bunch of medical forms as well. Sounds like a lot of red tape, which is certainly an argument we sometimes get against ideas like uh, Medicare for all, or even just expanding a public option. And by the way, just expanding on this a little bit more as well, if you notice what happened in Quinn's situation, that wouldn't be very helpful in an emergency to actually have to sit there and wait two weeks to actually get your new insulin pump. And that kind of goes to the same idea with this Minnesota GOP bill that tries to do with emergency insulin funding where basically, yes, it does provide insulin funding for people who are low income, but it basically makes you plan for doing that. You basically have to be verified that you reach those income requirements, I believe. And then, yeah, you actually can't get access to that money right away, which doesn't do you a whole lot of good if you're in an emergency situation. So I would say that Republican bill, which we'll probably see come up during the next legislative session, does provide insulin funding, but definitely not emergency insulin funding, with emergency being the key word there when it comes to insulin. So Yeah, it's kind of a depressing tweet we saw there from Quinn Nystrom, but certainly the reality of the situation and people who are probably even lower income are running into uh, much tougher scenarios than what Quinn experienced the other day also in terms of health news this is unrelated to really politics or insulin funding or anything like this but i just kind of found this funny as it was actually written by susan perry over in MinPost. so you often hear that the normal body temperature in a human is supposed to be 98.6 degrees well guess what turns out we were wrong that entire time because apparently since about the 19th century our normal body temperature has been dropping for decades and decades Actually, turns out the normal body temperature a human should have is 97.9. So apparently your mom was wrong all those times when she was telling you to get that temperature to 98.6 when you were six. So apparently 97.9 is the actual temperature we need in the human body since that's been going down, I believe, since the late 19th century. Again, that was written by Susan Perry over in Men Post. Let's go to the phone lines and talk to Mark in Fridley. Hey there, Mark. What's on your mind today?
2: Geez, you can't even trust your mom anymore. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of not being able to There's trust, a lot of
0: people you can't trust, especially in the political world.
2: Well, uh, in, in the media. And that night, too, yes. Th- that debate is the number one example for why the League of Women Voters should take it over and it should not be WrestleMania. mm mm-hmm. um, you know, that was insane, but we can talk about that later, and we can talk about, you know, the the, the Sanders and Elizabeth Warren issue and what really happened, but I want to make two points. Last night, there wasn't very much talk at all about Saudi Arabia, and what the media failed to report to people was the manifesto of the Saudi uh, pilot that was in the country, and subsequently, uh, you know, 21 other Saudi military people were kicked out of the country for various issues dealing with anti-American sentiments, aggressive anti-American sentiments, and also pedophilia. But I want to talk about what this guy's manifesto was and why this was ignored last night, because what the media hasn't told you is that this is his actual manifesto before his attack on American, uh, uh, Soldiers on American Soil in Pensacola, Florida. He wrote, Oh, American people, I'm not against you for just being American. I don't hate you because you're freedoms. I hate you because every day you are supporting and funding and committing crimes, not only against Muslims, but also humanity. I'm against evil and America as a whole has turned into a nation of evil. What I see from America is the supporting of Israel, which is the invasion and the invasion of our Muslim countries. And he said, we will not be safe until American troops get out of our lands. Subsequently, as a search by the Department of Homeland Security, and the U.S. Intelligence Committee, uh, they removed 21 additional military soldiers from Saudi Arabia for military bases for expressing the same sentiments. And of the 21, 17 had child pornography on their computers. Mm. In as, in associate, and that's something the media did not talk about. So, you know, this gets back to why they don't like us and what the threats are. Um, And why we aren't talking about this. And then yesterday, if you happen to notice the Star Tribune, on page 3 of the A section, so as soon as you opened the newspaper, there was a full-page ad for a book called Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America by David Horowitz. Now, I'm going to try to talk to people at the Bethel Synagogue tomorrow about what their feelings were about this. Because what people need to know is that Jewish people led the blue wave, giving Democrats 80% of their votes. And of a lot of, of civic, civil rights, human rights organizations, uh, people of the Jewish faith have an extremely high level of participation historically in the labor movement, in the human rights movement, in the civil rights movement. So this is what, it, and if you missed it, it was in yesterday's Star Tribune A3, a full-page ad. And it talked about the anti-God, anti-religious left, how Barack Obama became the hero of anti-God, anti-religious left. If you want to look that up, it's chapter 10, page 75. And it, and it talks about, basically progressives, Democrats, and liberals are anti-Christian, and Judeo-Christian values are the root of American society and success, and that
0: This sounds like one heck of a read.
2: (laughs) Well, to me, this is hate speech, a full-page ad Mm
0: -hmm. of
2: hate speech, and the Star Tribune needs to be held to account, and I'm interested in what... People that I, you know and i 've dealt with a lot of people of the Jewish faith at uh, peace rallies and war events and in support of Palestinians and the Palestinian cause, our battle isn 't with people of the Jewish faith or people from israel it 's the Israeli government and I would implore people to if you didn 't see this full page ad in the Star Tribune to look at it because they talk, and this is a quote, how the American, anti-American left has targeted Christians. Wow. And I don't think that that's happening. And if you think that God is on well, your side, and mm-hmm. we look at, and again, the Star Tribune needs to be held account. People need to see this. And again, if 80% of the Jewish people are progressives and Democrats and liberals, who is this guy talking to? This guy named David Horowitz. And I would hope that people can, can go back and find this article. And, and again, and then, you know, why are we afraid of Russia when we have people in the country that are espousing those types of sentiments? And again, we need to go back and look at the victims of 9-11 have three federal lawsuits pertaining directly to Saudi Arabia's participation in 9-11. And then you have a manifesto of the sort that the media fails to tell you about. And these people were removed from our country because they were a threat. They were living amongst us and posting these things online, on social media. And the,
0: the Yeah, NSA, definitely. It's, the it's intelligence unreal there, Mark. Unfortunately, we are coming up on a break here in just a second. But, yeah, I'll have to go back and check out that Star Tribune advertisement. I don't get the print edition of the Star Tribune, but... Oof, that's uh, kind of hold yourself to a little bit of a higher standard there for the strip to really not take those types of ads because I guess anything for a buck sometimes, but yeah, they definitely should be condemned for that. And also to go back what to uh, what Mark was talking about in terms of this manifesto, also what I was reminded about was that basically when I think he was the leader of Hamas was talking about now, the possible war with Iran and what Iran might do to retaliate against the U.S. when Soleimani was assassinated. He was basically saying some of the same sorts of things where he was encouraging people not to attack American civilians, basically saying that the American people are not actually our enemies. He was saying it's actually the American government and the American military. And again, that's also something that often gets missed in the corporate media when it comes to well, trying to uh, beat the drum for war. All right, We're going to take a break and come back with one more segment here on the show as we'll be talking about this bill in New Jersey which will give people a guarantee of severance pay if they get laid off and also the Olympics restricting free speech coming up here in 2020 in Tokyo. We'll talk about that up next.
2: Minnesota's Appliance Specialists are ready. We've competed and earned your business for over 70 years, and 2020 is going to be our best year ever. We're offering guaranteed savings on the world's top-rated appliances. We love helping you find just the right appliances and watching you smile as the savings add up. Then, Warner Stellion's Delivery Specialists make the hard work look easy with fast free delivery, basic installation, and free haul Now through January 22nd, take advantage of 18 months' interest-free financing. You'll love your new appliances and Warner Stellion.
1: There are so many times in life when it's important to have a plan. I'm attorney Rachel Schrowman, and I can tell you from experience
0: that so much pain can be prevented with an estate plan or an arrangement for long-term care costs. I work with families with many different dynamics and budgets, and my goal is always to give them peace of mind while helping them protect their legacy. Learn
1: more about me at schromanlaw.com. That's S-C-H-R-O-M-E-N law.com. Tom Hartman here, letting you know how you can go solar with All Energy Solar, even way up north in Minnesota. Lots of people ask them, isn't Minnesota too cloudy for solar? No. The truth, for one thing, Minneapolis gets nearly as much sun each year as Houston, Texas. But it isn't just about how much sun you get. It's also about having access to great local incentive programs that make solar affordable. Learn what your options are to save with solar. And visit
0: AllEnergySolar.com today. Donald Trump was impeached, so what happens next? Join Professor David Schultz and me, Brett Johnson, at Hamlin University on Wednesday, January 29th at 6 p.m. This will be a free event as we'll talk about the Senate trial, strategy from both Democrats and Republicans, and how it'll impact the 2020 elections. We'll also take your questions throughout the night. That's our free impeachment forum with David Schultz and me, Brett Johnson, on Wednesday, January 29th at 6 p.m. at Hamlin University, Anderson, room 305. More details at am950radio.com. What kind of a jackass would let an animal pick their insurance? Did you really think a lizard could save you money on car insurance? Would you let a duck pick your health policy? Insurance can be a zoo, but this is ridiculous. What you really need is an insurance agent that isn't looking out for the insurance companies. You need Cheryl at Array, an independent agent with 30 years experience looking for the best rate possible. Quit monkeying around and call 763-504-3067. That's 763-504-3067 for
1: Cheryl at Array, representing you, not the insurance company. Companies. Don't be surprised if you hear your name when you walk into St. Paul Corner Drug. Our experienced staff make getting to know you their top priority. Developing a trusting relationship with our patients is the first step in providing personalized care that achieves the best outcomes possible. Make certain all your providers know who you are and what your needs are. It is a vital step in your well-being. Stop by St. Paul Corner Drug today to start a relationship with a staff that cares, St. Paul Corner Drug Pharmacy, the way it should be.
0: You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I suppose we can't use the NBC Olympics bumper theme to come on into this segment because <laughs> got to talk about the Olympics here during the last few minutes of the show. So. New report by NBC News shows that the International Olympic Committee has released new guidelines ahead of the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo that basically restrict the form of any political protest, which includes, well, some of the things they listed raising your fist, which is kind of ironic since that was a notable moment back uh, in some of the previous Olympics when we had black athletes doing that. So you cannot raise your fist. You're also not allowed to kneel. And you're also not allowed to do, well, a whole bunch of other things. Either way, basically the Olympics saying, "Yeah, free speech, eh, not so much a thing at the 2020 Tokyo Games. And... Overall, just kind of silly in the first place because no matter the way you try to spin the Olympics, it always becomes a political event. It's been that way forever and ever, especially when you go back and look at the days when we had the U.S. competing, for the so- competing with the Soviet Union for the medal counts. And obviously, it's continued to be a political event over the years. But, well, they're trying to basically now just get rid of free speech whatsoever. So... Not that I'll necessarily be watching the Olympics. I've kind of found it boring over the past few years, so I'm not a big fan of watching that anyways. All right. Also, here's something that Minnesota should be doing, actually taking a cue from New Jersey of all places. So very happy about this, that on Monday, the New Jersey legislature passed a bill that basically guarantees severance pay from, for anyone who gets laid off from their job. Now, a big catalyst for this was the fact that when Toys R Us closed, they laid off about 1,500 employees in New Jersey. And at first, they basically were going to give them no severance pay whatsoever. So you worked for Toys R Us in New Jersey, you lost your job. Well, guess what? You're pretty much out of luck. So New Jersey actually has put in a new requirement that will require companies to pay severance pay if you get laid off. Uh, It's kind of a weird worded way that they do it. I'm trying to follow exactly what it means, but basically it says for every hour you work, you get a week's worth of lost wages, which I guess would that mean if you work 40 hours a week, do you get 40 weeks of severance pay? Because that actually wouldn't be a bad deal. In fact, that would probably be almost a little overly generous. So I have to look more into that, but definitely glad they passed that idea in New Jersey. Maybe we get something similar to that here in the state of Minnesota. All right, one more note. Again, the Blue State Ball coming up Sunday, February 23rd. That's going to be at Bauhaus Brew Labs in Minneapolis. It'll be an afternoon event, which is a change from what we've typically had in years past for the Blue State Ball. It'll be VIP at noon where you can have a meet and greet with Tom Hartman and Matt McNeil and... Well, me, I guess. And then there will also be a ticket for a free alcoholic beverage. Or if you're not an alcohol drinker, you can get one, get a non-alcoholic beverage. That'll be the meet and greet. And then that free beverage, if you get those VIP tickets, $75 general admission, $40, $40, and the doors open for that on what at 1 o'clock on February 23rd. Again, that's a Sunday. We'll have more details about that posted at am950radio.com. And also, the Blue State Ball going to be functioning as a big anniversary celebration for AM 950 because I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this is the 15-year anniversary that we have been on the airwaves, and we are one of only... A very few number of progressive stations that actually still exist in the entire country. In fact, looking at at least commercial progressive talk stations, there's only like maybe six or seven of them overall. Obviously, there's us. I know the Devil's Advocates have a station over in Wisconsin. I think North Carolina still might have a progressive station. There might be one or two in New Mexico. And then I believe San Francisco launched a liberal talk station last year. But either way, yeah, not many liberal talk stations, so we're definitely celebrating here at AM 950 for 15 years of being on the airwaves. And by the way, coming up on a future show, I'm hopefully going to dive a little bit more into why progressive radio didn't work and why corporate radio has basically shunned the progressive format. I've gone back and listened to some of those old Norman Goldman podcasts where he talked about that, and I'll try to kind of paraphrase some of what he said as well as some from other sources as well as I think it's really fascinating to look at why progressive radio has never really caught on here in this country. So for the final two minutes of the show I'm very happy to welcome in Robert Pilot of Pilot's Progressive Party and Robert Pilot are you with us on the line there? Oh, very cool. All right. So we'll have to be listening for that again coming up at 5 o'clock. And always check out Pilot's Progressive Party. Are we still rolling with that name there, Robert? It's got to be something with triple Ps, right? Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to that coming up again at 5 o'clock. Pilot's Progressive Party. You can listen to that every Wednesday here on AM 950. Hey, by the way, got a note from one of my friends who's listening saying the Olympics are not... Required to uphold free speech since it's not a public space. Obviously, yeah, that is correct being that it is a private event, but definitely not a good look for them when you're basically well, banning people from being able to express their opinions. But yeah, absolutely. It is their choice to be able to do that. Whether it's a good choice for them. Well, that's an entirely different question. Okay, that's all the time we have for the program today. And again, hope to see you on January 29th when I'll be having that event with Professor David Schultz. January 29th, that'll be at Hamlin University. We also have details about that at am950radio.com. And we'll have Blue State Ball information also posted on am950radio.com as well. So lots of different opportunities to catch us. Stay tuned, we got Pilots Progressive Party coming up next. You think